Hey, everyone. Kara here from The Kara Golden Show. Look, I've started and scaled companies, but when I first started podcasting, figuring out the workflow for this business was a real challenge. There were so many moving parts that I needed to learn from scheduling and recording to editing and promoting each episode. But once I streamlined the process, things got easier. I was able to focus more on bringing in amazing guests and delivering great content, which was such a relief. Thinking about this experience reminded me of the challenges many face managing their business every day. Whether you are the CEO or working supporting one, you need the right tools to streamline processes, especially when it comes to shipping and handling orders. That's where ShipStation comes in. ShipStation makes it easy to manage your shipments from all your sales channels. ShipStation automates tasks, prints shipping labels in bulk, and keeps your customers informed, freeing up your time to focus on growing your business. If you're looking for a way to simplify shipping and make your business more efficient, ShipStation is the solution. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time too. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me and my team to manage orders from anywhere, print shipping labels from just a click. Yes, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable with discounts up to 89% off carrier rates. And who wouldn't want that? Plus, an easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses as well? ShipStation just makes it easier so your business can grow. And yes, even when you're on your summer vacation, ShipStation is it. Work less and ship more with ShipStation, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA, K-A-R-A, to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I was born to be an entrepreneur always. And I ended up, rather than going into real estate, one of my clients had a coffee bar business called Ooh La La. And the next year I knew I quit the firm and I took over the company and quickly realized I had the bug. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get... Knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. 
Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and we're so excited to have my friend and fellow entrepreneur here today with us, Keith Belling. He is the founder and CEO of an amazing, amazing company and product called Right Rice, but you may know him as the former founder and CEO of Pop Chips, also one of my favorite brands. And he is uh, an amazing, amazing guy. I've known Keith for a very, very long time. Uh, he's also on the board of directors of another incredible brand that I have way too much stuff from, Restoration Hardware. And he's an advisor to many consumer and tech companies, ranging from Ollie and Modern Meadow to Just Foods and Ripple. He's just an incredible smart, successful entrepreneur, knows so much. And I'm so excited to have you here today, Keith. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me and the feelings are mutual. I've been a fan and drinking more than my share of hints for quite a few years. So uh, it's a thrill to be on. Thank you. So great. So you started your career as a real estate attorney. I did not know, or maybe I forgot that you were actually an attorney as well. I knew that you were in tech, but talk to me about sort of the early days of Keith. Sure. So I was, um, I was born to be an entrepreneur always. And my original plan was actually to go into real estate development. And my path for that was actually to partner with my brother and he was going to learn construction and I was going to learn real estate law. So I went to law school, practiced for just a couple of years and, and, you know, with a fantastic firm called Morrison and Porrester. And, and I was one of, back in the day that I went to law school, it was very rare to say you didn't want to be a lawyer. People thought I was crazy. And I went to the firm. I enjoyed the practice. I learned quite a bit in a couple of years. And I ended up, rather than going into real estate, one of my clients had a, uh, had a coffee bar business called Ooh La La. And the next year I knew I quit the firm and I took over the company and, um, you know, quickly realized I had the bug. And then you also went into tech, right? You sort of ventured back into tech at some point? Well, look, every good San Francisco entrepreneur in, uh, in, in, <laughs> so in the late true. 90s and early 2000s had to do something in tech or you weren't really yeah. an entrepreneur. So yeah, so uh, in, in the late 90s, I started something with a couple of friends called allbusiness.com. And it was a fantastic experience. Um, you know, I felt it was like the gold rush. It was crazy. And we launched it, built a you know, really quick, large business and better lucky than good. We sold it to NBC internet and that was my foray into technology. And it was, it was a blast. Amazing. And so let's talk about, before we get into your incredible company that you're doing now, let's talk about pop chips. So we launched in 2007 and I did it with a great friend and partner called Pat Turpin mm -hmm. and Pat actually had uh, worked for me in my internet company, which was called allbusiness.com. Pat, uh, I recruited him to work for us and and we got along great. And when I was thinking I want to do something in the natural food space, he and I started chatting and, you know, and together conspired on, uh, on finding something and ended, up, uh, ended up doing pop chips together. And how did you get the idea for pop chips? So we knew we wanted to do something in snacks. It was clear that there was a big void in the market um, for, for healthy snacks at that time. I sort of laugh as I say that because today, obviously, you go to the snack aisle and there's rows and rows of better few snacks. But at the time, there really weren't any. And, and we knew that's what we wanted to do. And unlike every other category, or sort of, I would say, not typical to a category, snacks and potato chips in particular were really segmented between fried and baked. And everybody loves 
and loved fried chips, but they're super unhealthy with all the oil and calories. And those were the days when fat and calories was the, was the, was the evil empire. And at the other extreme was baked chips, which didn't taste very good. And people who ate them found that they, uh, they actually were eating them by default. So we knew that's the space we wanted to go after. We did lots of research, which was very fun diving into the snack aisle and um, ended up kind of poking around and ended up buying a, um, a, a rice cake manufacturing business in Southern California. And it was a private label rice cake manufacturer. And it was really interesting because I had an immediate epiphany when I was touring the plant because, you know, as I said, chips are really segmented between fried and baked. And I knew that if we were going to do something in that category, it had to be different. We, if Frito couldn't come up with a healthy fried chip or a good tasting baked chip, we certainly weren't going to. So we knew we needed a new paradigm. So I went through this rice cake manufacturing plant. And as I was touring, I was listening to them talk about how rice cakes were made and they were calling them puffed. Hmm. But in fact, they, they actually are popped. They use little uh, pellets that are made of potato ingredients and they're popped into the potato chips. And I remember walking around, it was kind of really one of those fun moments and the light bulb went off and I thought, oh my God, like popped, That's a, that, that would be a great paradigm for a snack. Not fried, not baked. It's sort of very evocative and makes you think of healthy and tasty the same time. So we dove in, we bought the business and, um, you know, kind of use it to morph into what became, uh, became pop chips. It's an amazing, amazing brand that you built. I always talk to people about how building a company is like climbing a mountain, but building a category is like climbing Everest. And although I haven't climbed Everest, that's what I hear. And I, would you agree? I mean, you clearly, you really built that category. And and like you said, there were other snacks, but nobody was doing, at least not that I saw, was really doing this category. Yeah. I mean, to say it was daunting is an understatement. And I sort of laugh about it because not only is it daunting to create a new product or brand, like you said, or lead a new category, but we were doing it into the teeth of Frito-Lay, which, you know, had or has an 80 or 85 market share. So talking about an 800 pound gorilla, I mean, there aren't many categories anywhere of scale like snacks that has somebody with 80 or 85 share to put in perspective. And I don't know these numbers currently in the beverage aisle, Coke and Pepsi had at that time a 30 or 35 share. And think about how dominant those two brands are, even together, a 70 share. Again, this was a long time ago. I don't know the current numbers, but that gives perspective to Frito-Lay's sort of scale and, and dominance of the stack market. So it was a really interesting process. And look, sometimes, as you know, it's better to go at something not knowing what you don't know because you totally. take a fresh perspective and you're not afraid to do things differently. And, and that's how we look at it. And, you know, it was, a, it was an incredible process. I mean, we learned every single day something new. And um, yeah, daunting is a good way to put it. I also talk about just going into stores in the early days of Hint, and I would imagine this was the same for you, where you know you would talk to buyers about your product, and even if they thought it tasted great, they they wouldn't know where it fit. Right there, that it was just you know that's the challenge with bringing in a new category and being the only one in there. It's like sure, you know, it sounds great, except I you don't fit in my planogram. Yeah, no, it's like you, you, you have to have some religion about getting them to put it in the right place. I mean, anybody that I mentioned the genesis of rice cakes would try to put us a rice cake and I'd have to say, no, we, we wouldn't do it then. And even in the snack aisle, is it the natural set? Is it the core set? Where does it go? I mean, it's, it's, it's a very complicated bit of calculus to get somebody to look at it the right way. And of course, nobody sees it the way we see our brands. 
but but that was the struggle. You got to be very focused. We were, you know, we knew we wanted to be in the in the, in the snack potato chip aisle, and uh, anybody who at that point wanted to put us in the rice cake aisle, we just said no. We said, look, we're we'll go to other retailers. And look, we were lucky because they wanted advantage of blazing a trail with a new brand. Which you know, you, you look, you were very early in the in the, in the flavored water space. I mean, of course, very early. And the advantage of that though is if retailers get it, they're very receptive. So in the case of pop chips, I mean, our growth exploded because there really wasn't competition and we created something differentiated that, you know, people really could say, okay, this tastes good and it has a healthy, you know, sort of a healthy halo as well. You did an incredible job on field marketing too. And and also the other thing that I really noticed was right off the bat, and I can still imagine it and talk about it a lot as some of the best packaging is is pop chips. I mean, it, you, you really nailed it. So what do you, th- do you believe that that is definitely part of the product and, and the pull? I mean, I know so many people just don't put emphasis into that packaging right off the bat. And I just, I think it's critical for products. Look, especially when you're new, I mean, you look mm-hmm. again, Frito or, you know, and many of the big brands probably could afford to get something out on the shelf and, and, and not have quite the concern that you or I would about branding. But yeah, look, I when I did Pop Chips, I interviewed 25 design firms from Landor at one extreme down to small boutique agencies. I talked to everybody that had a, you know, like like really great firms mm-hmm. to kind of get a sense of what we wanted to do. I ended up hiring a firm called Turner Duckworth who did just a fantastic job. But it was a lot of work and it was a it was a challenge and we overspent and overinvested. You get seconds like one or two seconds to get somebody's attention on the shelf and of course on social media and everything else. So, you know, it's, it's critical. And I can tell you with right rice, we did the same thing. I didn't have to interview so many people because I knew what I wanted to do, but we, you know, kind of totally over-invested and knew that, you know, we wanted to create some really distinctive packaging on the shelf. You mentioned right rice and your new brand that is so good. And I mentioned before we actually hopped on the call that my uh, husband, who Keith knows as well, Theo, is a spicy, he's a spicy guy and he loves all the spice and he loves the Spanish right rice. And uh, it's so, so good. So talk to me about how you came up with the idea for this. Sure, sure. So look, most of the things I've done have come from a real personal experience. So what I probably didn't say about starting pop chips is my real original inspiration was I was eating too many Doritos. Mm-hmm. I love Doritos. I was eating them all the time. I literally, there was a store I would go to and I would hide my bag of Doritos under my sandwich. And at one point I realized, okay, <laughs> there's, there's something wrong here if I'm hiding it for myself. So, um, and in the case of right rice, um, I, I love rice and I had found myself cutting back on how much rice I was eating for several years because of all the empty calories and the carbs. And it's really, you know, like something I could eat, you know, all the time. I mean, I just love, love rice. It's, as you probably know, it's one of the most beloved foods across every culture and cuisine in the world. Um, and, and, and like everyone else, I mean, I, I really like it. And so, I, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I started thinking about that. And, and I started asking people around me kind of about their, their sense about, about rice consumption. And, and I had a lot of people either say, I don't eat rice at all any longer similar to the reasons I mentioned, or say, hey, you know, I've cut back quite a bit, often for the same reasons, you know, calories or carbs, ate a lot less. And the very interesting response was the number of mothers who said, you know, gosh, I, I, it's the only food my children will eat or my child will eat. I just wish it were more nutritious. So it was such a 
you know, common refrain that I was hearing from people in response that I, I just really felt like there was a real opportunity here. And, it, and it's a large addressable market. I mean, it's a $2 billion category that really had seen no innovation at all. Um, you know, at the one extreme, you have, you know, white rice and brown rice and sprouted rice. And that was kind of the innovation on the shelf. But that's really just marginally healthier. I mean, there's some great things. Look, by the way, I, I love rice, so I don't want to say this the wrong way. But I was looking for lower carb counts and higher protein and higher fiber. And at the other extreme, you had things like cauliflower rice, which, I mean, look, fantastic vegetable. You know, it's a great for a pizza crust. There's lots of things about cauliflower. I personally don't like cauliflower rice. It doesn't really scratch the itch, as one of my friends said. Um, so I saw a big void in the market and, um, you know, realized that there was really something there and, and, and dove in. So for those of you who do not know, what are kind of the ingredients and what is different sure. about this product? Yeah. So, so the first thing that I had wanted to do when I created Right Rice was I wanted a shelf-stable product. Um, so I wanted something that could sit on the shelf and again, not like cauliflower rice, which is frozen um, mm -hmm. for the most part and very complicated supply chain. So I found a way to pack what looks like a grain of rice. If you held it in your hand, it's a grain of rice. It's hard to the touch and has a long shelf life like, like regular rice, but it's actually packed with a mix of lentils and chickpeas and green peas. That's about 90% of the ingredients and about 10% rice. And it's the mix of those that delivered on what I was hoping for, which is one, taste and texture. Again, as you know, as you're drinking your bottle of Hint, um, it has to taste good. It doesn't matter how healthy something is if you don't like I the agree. taste or texture. So that's table stakes. So I wanted to find a blend that really gave you the taste and texture of rice. And I would say in particular, one of the things that makes rice such a special food is how it absorbs flavors and sauces. Um, and the reason rice is so loved around so many different cultures and ethnicities is everybody can put their favorite seasoning on it and it absorbs it just much like Theo likes uh, Spanish and spicy foods. If you just go culture by culture, the, the rice really often people talk about different grains, but it's really the, the, the flavor and seasoning. So that was table stakes. The other two things that we wanted by the blend that we put together was of course, nutrition. So my goal was at 10 grams of protein, you know, white rice has about four. Um, it has white rice has virtually no fiber. Brown rice does have, um, a, a bit of fiber and, 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 and obviously white rice has very high carbs, um, which is one of the problems and white rice has really high glycemic index. I think there's been some studies recently about the amount of sugar that's in white rice. And that's the mm. problem for the big diabetic issue. So our goal was to have nutritionally 10 grams of protein. So as I like to say, over two times the protein of white rice five grams of fiber, which is really five times the fiber of white rice because there's virtually none. And we, we, our goal was to get, you know, kind of 30 to 40% fewer net carbs than white rice. And we were at about 36%. And then the other nice part was we're a low glycemic index. So we actually on the glycemic index standards for, you know, um, white rice is like a 72 and we're in the low 50s. So we actually qualify as a low glycemic index, which is great. And the other sort of happy accident, which I can tell you I didn't know, is the blend of the proteins in our rice from the lentils largely and the amino acids from the white rice blend to create a complete protein. So not only do we have the protein, but it's, and trust me, I didn't even know. I had no idea when we were doing it, this would be a happy accident, but it's actually from a, people who know proteins from a digestibility standpoint, it's a big advantage. So That's one leg of the stool was flavor, taste and texture. 
second nutrition. And then the third was ease of cooking. Um, it's funny how many people have trouble making rice. And of course it can take quite a long time. And, you know, we really wanted to gear something that was really easy to cook. And, you know, you can cook right rice in about 10 minutes in a saucepan. And I'd like to say it's idiot proof because even I can't screw it up. Um, all you have to do is boil water, put in the rice, take it off the heat, cover it for 10 minutes and it's done. So it's, it's really, it's sort of like cooking couscous. It's super, super simple. So those were the three things we wanted to do with creating it. So it, and it took a while. I mean, it took us nine months of blending a range of different ingredients and different um, flours and the like to get to what we wanted. But ultimately, you know, after, after nine solid months, um, we came up with a product that uh, seemed to hit the mark of everything we were looking for. Well, and it's so, so good. So I was so excited to see you back in it. And uh, after leaving Pop Chips and, and successfully leaving Pop Chips and, and uh, going and starting um, something new. So Pop Chips was named one of America's hottest brands. And what advice do you have for entrepreneurs that are looking to become the next hot brand? And maybe this even applies to you as well. Yeah. And sort of building, I mean, what I what I love about hearing your story too, Keith, is that you you went back to an entirely new category. I mean, it sounds, you know, it's all part of food, right? But really different. And, and oh. it, it Right. And you're, yeah. I'm sure you're learning every single day and you're a glutton for punishment, maybe some would say, right? <laughs> Going back to, right? And on, on so many levels, but I love it. So it's, it's yeah, great. no, no, what you're saying is completely right. It's, look, it's, it's, and by the way, first of all, before I sort of share what advice I do have, learning is to me what is most exciting and interesting mm -hmm. is doing something new and learning. And, you know, you learn every step of the way. And of course, the center of the store is very different from the snack aisle. And learning how to build a brand in this category is very different. And, you know, we've, we've, you know, built our retail presence and, you know, let our two-year anniversary is actually sometime in February. So we're almost two years old and we're in almost 7,000 doors already, which is great. And, um, you know, we're about to do our third product launch with Whole Foods within two years of new products. We have something exciting coming out, which I can't share just yet, uh, but we're super excited about. And, and then we're building, we built a really nice Amazon business and just launching, which I can learn from you the DTC side. We're just launching our DTC business now, so we can sort of marry that with Amazon. And we built a food service business. It's a, you know, you talked about field marketing. The world has changed so much from 2007 when we launched Pop Chips. You just don't have field marketing teams like you used to. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, you have social media and influencer things that carry a lot of that. But we also look at food service as a really, really important way to build the brand. And we launched um, on a branded basis our first partnership with Kava, you know, Kava restaurants, which is an amazing yeah. Mediterranean chain based in, in uh, the East coast. We just love them. They loved right rice. They put us in all of their stores in, um, in uh, September of 2000, was that night 20 now? And um, it, it just has done great. So they have a curated bowl called chicken and right rice. And we're one of their bases. And I'm excited to say it was a three month test. That's now extended from September to June of this year. And now we're, extending through the end of the year, um, you know, because it's doing well. And we think it's going to help us build, really build our our, uh, our brand as well as sales. And, you know, look, we'll get, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of trial of, of right rice through through food service partners like that. So we're really excited about it. I um, love it. Do, do you think you'd ahead. ever open your own kind of one-stop restaurant along the way? 
I mean, it seems like you've got the product to be able to make it easy for people to kind of, it's like the soup Nazi. You could be the right rice Nazi, right? Just come here and get your protein, get your, all the different flavorings. I think it sounds awesome. Yeah, we have, we have some fun ideas, some of the innovation, which goes along those lines. But look, I think, uh, there's some people who do a real good job with restaurants and chefs and totally. like, and we'll leave, we'll, we'll leave, we'll definitely leave it to them. But, but what you're saying is right. One of the things we've done that's worked well is we came up with not only plain white rice, but the seasoned flavors like Theo likes the Spanish, but we came up with, you know, uh, garlic herb and Spanish, which are two of our most popular flavors and, and cilantro lime and Thai curry and lemon pepper. And everybody has a favorite is what makes it fun. Sort of like your water. Everybody has a favorite flavor. And, and then original, which, you know, you just season however you like. So it's kind of like plain rice or some people like it just like that, put a little olive oil, a little salt on it. So it's kind of nice to have a mix. But look, you asked about advice for entrepreneurs. And yeah. what advice would I give to myself if I were starting over or to, to entrepreneurs? And like you, it's fun when people approach us and ask for advice. The, the couple of things I say is, first of all, be passionate about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You have to really love it because no matter what you think, it's going to be twice as hard and probably take twice as long. But the good news is it's probably going to be twice as fun. And that roller coaster that we all go through, and you know it well. And of course, I went through it on, uh, I went through it on Right Rice. I'm going through it on Right Rice and I went through it on Pop Chips. Is the roller coaster. And so be passionate, love what you do, and it will make it a lot more manageable. Second, be focused and really, you know, like it's great to have big ideas and initiatives, but you have to really think about the market and, you know, sort of what you need to do to be successful. So be careful and be focused. And then probably the third thing that's maybe the most important of all is surround yourself with some smart, talented people. Look, I've started a few businesses. I've done reasonably well with some. And, and, and I, every time I do something new, I, I'd like to surround myself with really bright, talented people. Um, I like people that have a point of view and are going to share it. And I always say to people and myself, listen to them. Don't, you don't have to do what they say. You don't have to follow their advice, but find people that are passionate and believe in what they tell you. And, get them involved and get that advice and, you know, and, and, and don't be afraid to learn and realize that, you know, we're all going to be some degree of wrong and some degree of right. We all just hope we're more right than wrong. So true. What were your first hires uh, at this new company? Uh, my very first hire was um, kind of the, the equivalent of a partner, somebody named Ryan, who heads up supply chain and financials, finance for me. And really somebody who could, you know, sort of dot the I's. I'm a, uh, look, I'm, I'm, as I used to say with Pop Chips, I think I'm really pretty good with sales and marketing and building and leading teams, but I'm not a great manager. And if you put me in charge of manufacturing, we're in big trouble. Um, so my first hire was somebody to really be that partner. And that was Ryan. And, and we built a very small team. I mean, I've kept this to very few people. We have uh, 10 or 11 full-time employees and a handful of contractors and, and, uh, and we've, we really were building that the way and very different than pop chips. I think, uh, I got to about 90 employees and that did not include the people in our manufacturing and the plant. So we were well over a hundred people in the company at its peak. Um, so we kept this as a very small team and, uh, it's, it, it's fun to be leading a team like that, especially through what's going on with the pandemic. So, uh, I, you know, having a lot more people would have been a lot more challenging. How do you think it's different in terms of uh, knowing what you know about grocery today? I mean, obviously, you talked about direct-to-consumer, but people are always asking me. I mean, what one example that I give is Instacart prior to the pandemic was they were there, right? But they're so much more important today, I think, to a 
company and being able to sort of show up on that because I do believe people figured out what Instacart was at, during this yeah. time of 2020. So what else would you say is kind of the key thing that's changed? Look, look if I just com- if I just compare, you know, sort of pop chips to today, like what's changed? So look, on the one hand, we sort of touch a little bit just on the marketing side. I mean, field marketing has changed just so completely mm-hmm. and, and it's replaced by social, a lot more social media and influencer. When I started Pop Chips, Ashton Kutcher was just having this competition with Larry King to who would get to a million Twitter followers first. Um, and that was the buzz of social media. Imagine how that's changed. Um, Facebook was really just evolving. I, you know, maybe the middle of our run at Pop Chips, they started advertising. Um, and Pinterest, I don't think existed. So you look at today, what's going on with Instagram and Pinterest and social media and the role that it plays in influencer marketing while relevant. And we did some interesting stuff in the pop chips days, nothing like today, where it's so carefully integrated with, um, with social media. So, you know, I think you need to use different tools to build grassroots brands. Um, the similarity between pop chips and right rice is we're going into big categories with big established players, and we're never going to outspend them. So it's all about being creative and doing things at a grassroots level, creating evangelists, empowering evangelists, having fun with that. Things like I mentioned with food service in, in the world of right rice is a big part of that, you know, getting products into people's hands where they can really taste it and experience it, especially since you can't do demos today. Um, I, I think that's probably some of the things, but some of the tools like look DTC, just what you said, I mean, it was just starting in the pop chips days and you look at it now and even look at how Amazon has evolved. Um, I mean, you've built an incredible business on direct to consumer and, you know, we're just uh, in, in this month going to be starting kind of our first pass at really building, uh, building that and capturing some of our own consumer data. So we're excited about it. But look, the world's very different. It's evolved quite a bit. And, you know, center of the store is also very different. Um, as I like to say for us, the center of the store is a bit of a blessing and a curse. The blessing mm-hmm. is there's been so little innovation. Um, it's been fantastic. I mean, the response we've had from retailers to be in this many stores already is, is incredible. But the curse is getting people to shop the center of the store. It's definitely more of a challenge and you have to be thinking holistically. And I think thinking about driving brand awareness through things like DTC and, and food service and some of the other ways. Um, look, the other fun one we did, and I don't know if you've done it uh, here, is, is QVC. We just did our first mm-hmm. launch um, on New Year's Day as a part of a, a plant-powered special with QVC. And we I crushed it. it. I was Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, we sold out. Were you on, actually? No, no, I'm, a, oh, I'm, I'm not on, quite Keith. that. I, I, I want you on there. <laughs> well, maybe one day. We, we have a fantastic chef who's done some stuff for us named Stuart O'Keefe, who's this handsome, you know, Irish chef and did a much better job than I did. But it went really well. I mean, we were thrilled. And again, it's a great, you know, source of revenue, but also marketing. You know, you get a, a real differentiated audience, you know, getting a very, very visual impact of your brand. And so we try to think about things like that that are different, again, as we're brand building. I love it. So I also know that you are a partner with No Kid Hungry. How do you think about really partnering with sort of cause-related marketing? What do you think is that, how does that affect your brand? I mean, do you think it's a must for brands today? What What's kind of, seems super obvious, especially what, in, in sort of the challenge for so many today. And I think it's awesome that you guys are doing that, but I'd be so curious to hear your thoughts on that. So, so first of all, it comes back to the same you know, word I use a lot, which is passion and something you really believe in and something that's personal to you. And, you know, I've, I've 
look like everybody, I love kids. I think kids are incredibly important. They're our future. Um, it's something that I've always taken a great interest in. I, I, you know, never had kids of my own. So besides businesses that feel like children at times, but, um, but I, but I really, from the beginning of launching right rice, which is also a product that, you know, again, I go back to the comment from mothers and kids eating rice. Um, it's, it's just a, you know, it's just such a core value to me that we wanted to make it part of our DNA. So at the very beginning, when we launched, um, right rice, I, I really want to think about how to do something to, to, Get back to children and kids in general. And we talked to Revolution Foods, a great group, and are doing some things with them with schools that we started on. But I got introduced to No Kid Hungry and just really fell in love with their proposition and what they stand for. And Billy Shore, the founder. And, you know, we started having some conversations. Um, the guy who was the CMO at that time became a friend and we started talking about ideas. And ultimately, I did something that um, really no one in food and beverage had done. We did the, the 1% pledge. I think you guys had done something, as I recall, with that. But we were the first food and beverage company to really give 1% of the company to No Kid Hungry as a, as a donation. Um, people in tech have done it. They've done it really successfully. But that was sort of the basis of how we decided to partner. And we've been building on it. It's a little harder with the pandemic, but we've got some fun initiatives and things we're talking to them about. But We've been donating all year long. I think we've probably given over 20,000 bags of right rice to food banks, you know, particularly into children where we can. And we try and do more and more of it. But look, it's a, it's a core part of our DNA. It's something that's going to continue. And, and I was happy to donate a part of our company to them. And I hope someday, if we're lucky enough to have a successful exit, that it makes an even bigger impact for kids. So Keith, when you are not uh, running Right Rice, and I know you live in the Bay Area, what are you doing? You're on the board of Restoration Hardware. What else does Keith like doing? So look, in, in the world of, of food and businesses and being an entrepreneur, that's super fun. I'm, I've been on the board for a while at Juma, which is a great kids organization. And again, part of my, my thing with kids, and I used to be on the board of um, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. So that's always been an area of interest for me. That's awesome. And like you said, it's been very fun being involved with companies like Restoration Hardware. It's been 20 years. I like it's talking about learning and being around a brand that I love and that I've learned a ton from. The, the CEO, Gary Friedman, is just incredibly talented. And I've been lucky to really be there from the very beginning of this journey. And some fun businesses like, you know, like Just, it's been fun watching them evolve now with their, uh, with their eggs and the stuff they're doing to meats and things. Outside of work and business, I'm you know, if it weren't for COVID, I'd probably tell you I've been traveling and, um, <laughs> and and going out to lots of restaurants. I love food. I love being enter entertaining and traveling. Obviously, haven't done much of that the last year. So uh, I think we're, you know, sort of, um, you know, I, I live with my wonderful girlfriend, Allie, and we're taking lots of walks around the neighborhood and trying to keep ourselves engaged and, uh, and, and, and do things. But, you know, look, as far as interests, um, you know, took one fly fishing trip in the middle of this to Sun Valley, which was really fun. But we really haven't been able to do quite as much as we would like. So like everyone anxious to get this behind us, we get back to traveling and seeing our friends and family and doing the things we like to do. See how normal entrepreneurs are and how humble somebody who's built incredible businesses is. So I, I love asking that question. So thank you so much, Keith. I really, really appreciate this. And everybody give Keith great reviews. We're here every Monday and Wednesday come back. And I, I actually want to uh, interview Gary at some point for, I'm such a huge fan of his too. So hopefully we all? I can get him on at, at some point as well. But anyway, thank you so much, everyone. And hopefully you'll come back and, and visit us soon. Thanks so much. I look forward to it. Thank you. 
Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.